Okay, welcome to episode 61 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. My name's Tony Esmond, and this show finds a comic and it deep dives. We get into the guts of what is going on. Um, this week, it's the returning co-host, that is Edinburgh's own Bob Fossil. He's here to lay some. Hello, you like that? He's here to lay some edumacation. Yes, it's the return of Alan Henderson. How you doing now? Greetings. Good. Oh, good. Bob Fossil is the bloke who keeps the zoo in uh, the Mighty Bush. Right. And it was, it was about the nearest thing I could find to penguins. I was trying to think of something this afternoon, but uh, sounds sounds quite good. Well, you have to remember that when it comes to Edinburgh Zoo, the penguins are the only animals with equity cards. <laughs> the, uh, part of the ad, part of the advertising all oh, right you can stay in that hotel near the zoo can't you and if it's quiet you can hear the odd screech coming yes, from there yes. yeah yeah i've stayed there a couple of times good how was your christmas mate good yeah not so bad pretty quiet as you might imagine with everything else going on um spent a couple hours with the parents sitting at different ends of the living room and um <laughs> and that and that was about it really yeah so <laughs> do you get but, any comics uh, do you get any presents or comics at all or well, no, you see, I'm my, my wife and I are really bad in that, um, or it makes it good in one way, that if I see something throughout the year that I want, I just, just go and buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, I've either got everything I want, or it's so expensive that I can't afford or can't justify buying it, and therefore she's not going to justify paying it as a present either. So um, no, I, I end up very much in the naughty list and I don't get any Christmas presents. But that, oh, that's a shame. It, it, it just means, well, <laughs> it just means I get it at any other time of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's on the nature of us as needy comic comic readers, isn't it? You know, I got the um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Artisan Edition, which I quite liked. Thought that, nice. that was all right. Yeah, it's like a mini artist edition. That's how mm. they are, um, which is pretty cool. I quite like that. I quite like the style on that. And Dan bought me. Um, the Wizard's Sleeve, the Viz Annual. He buys me that every year, which is always <laughs> quite amusing. <laughs> and Vince bought me a Marvel at, a Marvel Diary, so I sit there cool as shit in meetings with my Marvel Diary there. That's pretty good. Um, Somebody's got to. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Well, we're. Um, I'm going to say we're back to DC again. I know you're a DC fan, so what have you chosen as our main title for tonight, mate? Well, I was going to say, so one of the beauties of the comic book world is it's made up of a number of partnerships um yeah. whether you want to go all the way back to schuster and siegel or go to o'neill and adams uh wolfman and perez um or the great forgotten one in, in my view which is um grant and Brayfogle. oh yeah good yeah i'll of, think about often, them today yeah often it's about you know a, a writer and artist getting together and producing a body of work over over a multitude of things and Tonight, what I think we should be focusing on is some of the work of Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. But we're going to talk about possibly the forgotten book in their yeah, DC collection, yeah. which is Superman for All Seasons. Yeah, I suppose it didn't have the coolness of Long Halloween or something like that, did it? It's, uh, well, it's not yeah. as fondly remembered, perhaps. I, I actually, we'll get onto it, but I, I'm very fond of it, I think. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting because they've done done a lot of collections of Loeb and Sales work from from DC, and and most recently there was a Batman omnibus, um, right. or, or there's an omnibus that you think, oh, that collects all of their stuff, but it is a Batman omnibus um, that in, includes the Catwoman miniseries, which is possibly also the, the forgotten. Uh, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it, you know, it, it's interesting that, that that's all been put in one place, and they've done. Um, Long Halloween and Dark Victory, both as, as absolute editions. But um, okay. Superman for All Seasons, 
is, is, is been done okay. as it's hardcover. It's, it's been re-released recently in a, as a new collection as well. Okay. Um, or okay. New, a new trade. So like. what version do you own, dude? Or version, um, so, saying what you like? Um, well, <laughs> I've got the, the... Somewhere in the loft will be the, the miniseries, which will have been four prestige formats. Yeah, um, that's how I bought it, actually. Produced. That's how I read it, yeah. Yeah, and I have in my hands in front of me the hardcover, um, which came out... Shortly after, I guess, uh, quick look for a date of 1999. Oh, okay. So we're back in the sweet spot, yeah, as, as you and I always, uh, yeah. always end up in. Very true. Now, I think you're right there, mate. The, the thing is about those combinations. And I like to think of the combinations as something that works better than the two individuals working with someone else. So there's something definitely that happens here with the, the work that Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale does that, perhaps doesn't zing as much for me when they're working with other people. There's there's a special quality to their collaboration, isn't there, I think? Yeah, and certainly, I mean, I've read quite a bit of um, Tim Seale's solo work, um, Billy 99, so obviously possibly one of the high points of that. Okay. And, you know, yes, he can, can write a good story, but, you know, say, um, Jeff Loeb certainly brings more out of him and um, certainly creates a better pacing of storyline. And um, allows him allows Sale to, to actually utilise his use of line and weight and dark shadows and, and, and bright lightness in terms of yeah. the, his approach to Superman that yeah. perhaps isn't picked up elsewhere. Yeah, that's true. I think that's a fair comment, man. So for me, I'll, I'll start with me. It's all about me. I'll start with me. It's uh, Challenge of the Unknown is probably where I first saw um, Tim Sale for this. Um, I think. I was, uh, without knowing who he was, I was immediately taken with that series, and genuinely, I'm not one of those guys who would say otherwise, because uh, there's a lot of series I'm not, but I, I really liked that series, it just had a real personality to it that I hadn't seen before. Where where did you first see him? Um, I actually think it would be a bit later than that, So, or actually right. not that much later, which would have been Batman Haunted Night. Okay. which was actually the first of the Legend of the Dark Knight Halloween specials, right. which was, was um, Loeb and Seal at that point. Um, being the DC Batman collector, and that, cause that's 93 or, or thereabouts, so okay. Halloween right. 93. Yep. Um, anything Batman I was picking up. you know, And therefore, you, you come out with a, a Legend of the Dark Knight special, which is essentially the size of an annual um, and you know it would have been yeah straight on that thank you very much and that kind of sparked off the the, the run that of that Loeb and Sale were, were given because there was two other Halloween specials that they did after that yeah both of which have been or all three of which have been collected into a trade of their own called um, Haunted Night uh, and you know that that's something where I would have started with them yeah no, before that led on to um to Long Halloween. Yeah, I didn't read, read Long Halloween uh, until it came out in trade, actually. So I read Challenges in Issues, and then Long Halloween and Dark Victory I read as trades, actually. Um, so let's just let's just run through a few of the sort of collaboration books that they've done. And they've done a lot together, haven't they? Um, yeah. Challenge the Unknown, 91. Batman Haunted Night, 93, like you said. Wolverine and Gambit Victims, 94, which I only hadn't... I hadn't read for years... Um, after it was released, I read it maybe three or four years ago. Just happened to happened to pick it up. I think in a, a bargain bin, sort of you know, dollar bin. Um, Batman: The Long Halloween, ninety six, ninety seven. Superman for All Seasons, which we're going to talk about in a minute, ninety eight. 
Batman Dark Victory 99, Daredevil Yellow. So this, this, uh, ironically, you know, we talked about this before, for, and we'll get onto this, but Tim Sale suffers from an element of, of colour blindness. Um, but for a man who's colour blind, he decided to call all of his books, or him and Loeb, all of his books by a colour. So the Marvel books can be delineated by a, a certain colour. So you've got Daredevil Yellow, Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Grey, more of that in a minute, and then back to DC again for Catwoman When in Rome, which is six issues, 2004, and then we got Solo, and then we got Captain America White, which was quite long <laughs> in gestation, let's say. So we got a zero, didn't we? I remember seeing the zero in, in and then it was six or seven years before we got um, one to five, I think. Yeah. So being, you know, as I say, being the DC boy and all that sort of stuff, I yeah. picked up very, very little Marvel. But knowing that it was, was a low and sale, and, and knowing that it was a mini-series, I, I jumped on the, the coloured elements in, in from Marvel because it was able to say right there's there's a, a package piece and Daredevil Yellow it is a beautiful thing of going look here's a yeah. you know the, the, an origin story of Daredevil so that that was a really great way in for me with regard to getting some of the um, the Marvel stuff so you're right it came you know they, they did the the three mini series of yellow blue and grey and you're thinking yeah. great what they're doing next Captain America White um, and it follows straight on after that the issue zero or more or less straight on you're going there's issue zero of captain america white yep in, i think it was 2008 or there or thereabouts mm-hmm. and then what six years later <laughs> yeah before we got to issue one yeah. um you know there are certain image titles that have done worse than that but um, but yeah. not many yeah there's a few out there i also yeah. thought it was a bit of a stretch white you know I, they could have gone it, for red white and blue i don't know why they didn't it just uh I don't know why. Yeah. yeah, but oh, yeah, whatever. And they also did a Vampirella. They had a backup in Rebirth issue one, um, which I have not read, and I'm yeah. a big Vampirella fan, so I need to get to that. Um, and then we got a Grendel, didn't we? Black, white, and red, which is pretty good. Um, yes. And again, uh, color color mentioned was that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, that's with that's with Wagner. That's not. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I think he likes Wagner, Wagner doesn't he? he? Gets on very well with him. Yeah. Um, I listened to some um, uh, interviews with Sale um, about his collaboration with Loeb, and Loeb was kind of new to comics-ish when they first started working together in Challengers. And he says um, he's he does, and I don't know, I don't know what you think, Al, but I find Loeb to be one of those guys who critically suffers quite a lot from, you know, Wizard Magazine or you know the fanboy, the great fanboy nation. People don't like his stuff. And they they get quite venomous about his stuff, but it still sells shitloads. Away, away from the sale stuff, when you get stuff like Ultimatum, um, Hush, even Hush maybe, which is getting a bit mm. of a you know a reevaluation these days. What yeah. do you think? Hush at the time was well, he sells, he produces populist stuff yeah. a, a lot of the time, and therefore because it's populist, it perhaps breaks away from continuity. Yeah. It breaks away from the, you know, and a lot of it is is very trope based as a result of that. And some of that comes from his background of being somebody who produces um, films and television scripts because you're 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 not aiming for the fanboy. You're aiming for as big an audience as yeah. as possible from that perspective. Yeah. And I think therefore, when he's writing comics, he's also got that sensibility to say, no, I need to present this in such a way that this touches everybody that that could potentially pick it up and read it. Um. And, and sometimes the fanboy then goes, oh, but no, this is my, my special 
thing. You know, you're you're <laughs> yeah. you're giving away the the crown jewels here by you know by letting other people in, um, which is you know it's which is weird about some of the other reverse things where we've talked in the past about the fact that Marvel and you know it has not leveraged its its movie franchises to to get people in to buy the comics. Yeah. So why why shouldn't we be saying that? Well, let's get the comics to go and let people follow the movies. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think you know he, he, that's where I think some of the vitriol comes from in terms of the comic book press or whatever. Yeah, um, I think so. And, and it's also why certain things perhaps don't stand the, the test of time, like like Hush, because it's a case of it fits the populist of that that point. But if then everything moves on, it you know it's much like a television series or or whatever. You kind of go, you know when you go back and look at it in retrospect, yeah, it's not necessarily grasping in the same way as it did. So. There's maybe something in that. I mean, that's just me. That's, yeah, I, I think so. I've got, I've got no particular axe to grind with him. Let's talk a little bit about Loeb, and then we'll move on to Sale, because I think that Sale is where our, our hearts lie with this series in particular, maybe. Yeah. Um, mm. Jeff Loeb, born Stanford in Connecticut. Uh, he's won four Eisners. Uh, he, worked in, he worked on the TV series Smallville. I think he wrote an episode and then went and worked on it a bit more. Uh, he was a producer and writer at Lost as well, the TV series Lost as well. Um wrote or co-wrote commando and teen wolf um <laughs> believe it or not and he worked there, on there's a, a, a there's a brave and bold for you to mix up yeah there isn't there Come yeah I'd, I'd watch that series yeah and then he did that movie he's often i've heard him talk about it it's called burglar and it's with whoopi goldberg and it's a really weird film that if you watch it and realize that it started out as a a vehicle for bruce willis it kind of explains it a bit more it's actually not too bad but it's just only, I wasn't expecting Whoopi Goldberg to play that part, but it's it's not a bad film. Um, he worked on Hercules. On sorry, pardon me. He worked on Heroes, um, where he. Um, you watched Heroes, did you? Al? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the one that had the Tim Sale arc in it as well, didn't it? Certainly in the first season. It's That's all, right. You know, they, yeah. they brought them back together again as, or he's clearly gone. Oh, I need somebody to do a lot of artwork in the background, the that features the heroes. Um, yeah. Tim, you, here's your slice of the dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Um, and he also uh, works on the Marvel TV shows, probably best known for the um, the stuff like um, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Iron Fist, Defenders, Punisher, Luke Cage, that that little raft of... Which we'll probably one day we'll think back and remember how joyous we were that they were on television. But they're not bad. I, I like most of them, I've got to say. Um, he um, has worked... In, on numerous comics elsewhere and Sale says he is a huge comic fan. I heard, an, I heard an interview today with Sale where he's saying that Loeb buys 50 comics a week and reads them. You know, he's a proper fan and yeah. I hate to be that bloke but it always does endear these people to me a bit when I, re- I hear that they're, you know, big comic fans as well. I kind of like that. Well, I mean, even if you just look at the, the, the stuff he's done you can understand that he understands the history of each of the characters he's worked on. So you know all of the coloured series from Marvel. Yeah. It's it's not just a oh here's a remake of an origin story or anything like that. It's a subtle piece of that that story. Yeah. You know, in in terms of if you were gonna if you were just given Daredevil to write, you're not going to write the, the the fact that oh for a short very short period of time he was in a yellow costume and try to explain why that costume was yellow. That you know <laughs> yeah. that that's not where you're going to go, but. You know, if you've got the history there and you understand that the basis of the character, that's fine. And, and similarly with Long Halloween, where if you're going to write Batman and you're going to say, right, I've got 12 issues and I can put a different villain in each one. Yeah. And I'm going to try and 
allocate each of them to a holiday. There's, you know, yeah. that that's a lot of a lot of research, and I think you, you yeah, know, it's a lot of work in that man because they shit themselves. They thought people would figure it out and the series would be done. You yeah. know, that's there's and there's it's a it's a good thriller. It's a good who done it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, I think um, yeah, I, again though that comes from having that background, underlying knowledge of of, of comics and you know and of those characters. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And those the 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 coloured series as the colours series we call them. I I um I see them as a genuine attempt to make an evergreen Marvel title that can sit on a shelf and in some way or other encapsulate some element of that personality that character I, I like to think that it's a wise move it's a it's both wise artistic and shrewd in a way because you know that great you know hulk gray and spider-man they're going to sit on the shelf for a long time aren't they they're going to be the easy buys for you know your teenage brother and stuff like that at christmas aren't they it's a nice little idea well and the perfect example there. Yeah. Okay. As a non non Marvel reader. Yeah. I picked them up. Yeah. And you know and, and read them because they were and I knew I knew the creative team so they knew what I was getting and, yeah. and I was, was happy to go with that and I knew that what they would produce was going to be a mini series that was going to be nice and tight and beginning and end and but would fit in the broader context of the Marvel universe so it, you know it balanced both a novice reader to to the universe as well as being you know, a, a nugget to somebody who was yeah. um, and, uh, embedded and, in the universe. And a really nice piece of art, a really nice piece of creation, mm. you know, a lovely mm. story. Um, let's let's quickly mention some of Jeff's other stories. So I forgot to mention that Elliot Magin was a great mentor to him. I think he was friends with him, and I, I really like that. I'm, I've, um, having spoken to Elliot Magin a couple of times, I, I think he was great. Um, and so when we've got these this, this, this elegant and um artistic series a number of series that we're talking about with sale he's a bit more metal in a lot of the other stuff he does <laughs> so we've got age of apocalypse fuck me really uh we've got hush um now i don't want i'm going on record and i've gone on record for at least 20 years about my dislike for hush or maybe 17 years um and anyone who cares to look my name up will find me slagging it off in some message board on a kevin smith website many like, over a decade ago you know <laughs> um it was a series of butt cracks and breasts and grimaces for me but he wrote it it's very popular it's had a movie he did um heroes reborn captain america um he wrote the regular superman title and then he did the our worlds at war um which i don't think i read the whole of i might have dipped in here and there with it's what did you read you must have read that as a dc guy uh, I, again, it's, it, you know what? That's the sort of thing that's there in the background that uh, it, it crossed over into so many things that yes, I would have. Yeah, we, I, it's one of those things. It's one of those sort of DC events that. Yeah, I kind of. Oh yeah, there was that. You know, it's the Atlantis attacks of DC is the way I think of it. You know, um, he did Ultimates three with Joe Madurara, um, which kind of went a bit strange. I'm not really sure what happened there. Um, and he did some Hulk as well. He did Red Hulk with Ed McGuinness, um, which was continued on by, I'm going to say, Gabriel Hardman, and I really liked. Um, which is a bit... is If you've got Ed McGuinness and Jeff Loeb on a book, you know it's going to be sort of bombastic double-page spreads and bash-em-ups and, you know, this sort of thing. I suppose you know what's going to happen there, don't you? Mm. Um, he shares a writing studio called the Empath Magic Treehouse. Really? <laughs> uh, with Jeff Johns and Alan Heinberg. Um, and we will get onto this, but Jeff's son sadly died in um, 2005, age of 17, from bone cancer. 
Um, and we will be talking about that story shortly, uh, probably after we have a talk about the Superman book. So that's a little bit about Jeff Loeb. Um, should we start talking about Superman for All Seasons and then we can go yeah. back a bit and talk about Sale? Yeah, let's. So Superman so, for All Seasons is delineated by in, in four chapters, isn't it? Did you want to mention so, that a bit? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's seven four chapters, each of which is you know it, it denoting a season in the early life of um, Clark Kent and then Superman yeah. in terms of things. Um, I think it's very important to note as well that the whole story or e- each of the individual um, seasons is actually narrated by somebody different yeah. such that at no point in time is, is it really a Clark Kent story or a, a Superman story. It's actually the story from that narrator's perspective yeah. to say this is what they're going through while watching you know, uh, a teenager grow up, or you know, somebody, you know, a young love, or, or you know, or in Luther's case, uh, um, you know, somebody invading his space in terms of the, the the sort of position that he held, and you know, so I think from that perspective, it, it it's very good at setting a, a Superman storyline because I yeah. I have a view that it's you know, there's an awful lot of very poorly written Superman stories, um, and there's 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 two things about this. One, the best Batman stories are never really about Batman. They're about somebody beside Batman, okay. whether that's the villain or whether it's uh, a Gordon storyline right. or even an Alfred storyline. It's always when it's like it's their storyline and Batman is in it. Yeah. Those are always made the best. Year One's a great example like, of that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Year One's a great example of that. Long Halloween's a great example of that. Okay. Where, where you know, it's really the story of the villains that Batman yeah. works his way through. Now, Superman in my view, is that it's never about writing about the powers. Okay. It should actually always be about writing and focused on the weaknesses and actually saying how, how regardless of the fact of how powerful he is, how does he overcome the weaknesses that some of those powers actually give him? Okay. Or, you know, now, again, I'm taking this away from the actual book here. My, the, the best example I have for that is actually a story that was just before the the death of Superman storyline. Okay. Um, it's so from '92, where I actually looked it up. It's Superman, Man of Steel, sixteen, and Superman seventy-two. Right. Where it's 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 all about the fact that um, Clark is moving in with Lois, or spending a lot of time at Lois's flat or apartment, and there's domestic abuse is happening next door. Okay. So obviously he can hear it through the wall, but can't do anything about it. And when he in, or when, when Superman engages in the the event, the um, the woman in the story defends the abuser. Yeah, as is, is often as is, is often the case. Yeah, and it's a, you know it's very much a, well that's a brilliant story about Superman because it's all about a weakness, the fact that he can hear things but can't do anything about it. Okay. Him. Now, yeah. In Superman for all seasons, again, I think a lot of it is about him suffering the weakness. You know, particularly in in the early chapters where it's him growing up and therefore not knowing how to manage his powers or how to to live a life in that that sort of position of saying you know i i can't get my hair cut <laughs> yeah. or how does how does a super powerful um teenage boy deal with relationships and how does the you know how, how do you deal with leaving home and you know the 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 weakness that that gives you in terms of the emotional crush of saying, well, I'm having to leave because I've got these powers. And that's why I think a lot of this is really, you know, it's a really good story because it's not really, oh, here's a super powerful 
being. It's a here's a being that has powers, but has a lot of weaknesses that go with them. Yeah, I think so. It's um, it's a human story, which is interesting. In when you realise that there's very li- little sort of Kryptonian lore in this either, is there? It's about mm. people, really. You know. And and I think, as I say, that to me is all, is one of the reasons why the narratorship is yep. really important. Yes. So the first chapters, if you like, the first chapter, which is spring, it starts it? off in spring, yeah, isn't it? yeah, which is narrated by um by Packing. Yep. You know, so again, this is very much about. I keep getting I keep see... getting flashbacks to that uh, John Cleese book we read. I can't help it. It keeps happening. But yeah, this is a proper Park Kent, isn't yeah. it? This is proper, proper Jonathan Park Kent. Kent. Yeah, yeah. Where, so it's Jonathan Kent going, re- basically, you know, the, the story is about realising that as a father, your son's got to a certain age where he needs to leave home and compound that by the fact that you know he's the most powerful or you know he's he has all these superpowers. So, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that, that sort yeah. of leaving home piece? And this is where Sale then takes over and produces the most Americana looking yeah. set of pages that you know it this is this is Norman Rockwell by way of wonderful life, isn't it? It really yeah. is. Yeah, there's even a little wonderful life visual gag, isn't there, where oh, when they yeah. run into the, the one of them I can't remember who it is, now one of them touches the sort of the fountain as he you know, for luck as he yeah. does in Wonderful Life, yeah. Yeah, it's it's. So, I mean, it's I'm so just going to start you on page, yeah, page ten, right? Which right. is just well in the hardcover page ten. I don't know what that is for. Okay. Oh, so, what version do you have? In front I've got. Of? I've only got. I've. I haven't cracked open my Prestige because it's still bagged. So I've got the digital uh-uh. version, my friend. But yeah, right. yeah. Uh, so that would be page one, just for page two, then possibly. Okay. Yeah. Which is just the um, it's it's you know it's the front of the farm. Now, clearly, Seal spent a little bit of time rewatching. 1979 superman at this point as well yeah. because it's it's the house it's the barn there's the swing on the porch walk down to the gate um, isn't there yeah, yeah yeah and just to make this the most american thing you can imagine on you know and it's a complete throwaway thing on the because your, your eye is immediately drawn over to, to the right hand side of the page but on the left hand side of the page sitting on the window ledge is an apple pie oh yeah yeah right and yeah. which which could not be more small town, yeah. idyllic, imagined nineteen fifties America. Yeah, it, is, <laughs> it really is, isn't it? I mean, I I I absolutely love those first two films, and I was nine when that came out, and we we were taken from boarding school to see it at the cinema, and as soon as it was on television, I recorded it on a BASF C ninety mm-hmm. tape, you know. And used to listen just to the audio. It's, it's not a great movie, just audio. I've got to tell you, but I used to listen to it. And one of the <laughs> one of the great moments is the bit where um, Pa Kent walks him down to the gate and explains to him, you know, you've got powers, you know, this sort of thing. And then he has that heart attack. And this is that setting, isn't it? It's that moment. It's, it's, it just looks so good. Yeah. Um, and that's beginning to... We're beginning to see here the the introduction of splash pages, which this is full of, isn't it? It uses it them a lot. Um, yeah, and so there's two panels on this on this particular page. But you're yeah. right; it's still going. Here's a big, big image, yeah. boomf. And I think for 
sometimes that gets overused as a, as a as a trope in comics but here where he's trying to go look at the expanse or the, the know, big sky or, man the big sky yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or here's and also here's the peace and calm of the farm yeah so it, it is just you know beautiful from that perspective now there's an interesting thing here about as i understand it when um so first submitted some of the early drawings on this there was a little bit of a intake of breath i believe from um, from dc oh right okay where they kind of went well you know because he and i'm using um tim seal's own words here from an interview where he went the fat doofus yes now this is something i wanted to talk to you about yeah i'm um i occasionally think he goes a tiny bit far yes he um he draws the eyes a little bit too close together at yes. times. Yeah, the Maybe little that's... bit oafish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what 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 he's trying to get across here is the fact that at this point in the book, Clark is only supposed to be sixteen, seventeen, maybe eighteen tops. Yeah. Because it's you know it's that sort of late high school ish, but he's also trying to go. You know, he also kind of walks with a stoop as if to you know try and make himself look a little smaller and his, his shoulders slump a little bit again as if to say look if i if i pulled my shoulders back and spread my chest to show my full power yeah that's not you know i, I don't want to be seen as that big hulking guy i want to be seen as you know the the soft and gentle and cuddly type you know type thing so he, he does draw him very much as that sort of lumpy looking but and again, I get it while he's a teenager because he's supposed. You know, when you are a teenager, you 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 don't really know what you're doing with your body. And but you know, it, it's yeah. It, it, it makes him look a little bit clumsy, which is you know just one of those those things. But yeah, it, I get it. it I don't mind it too much. I think occasionally it flips a little bit. Uh, the the a couple of them I, I love the, the scene of him walking down the street with Lana. I love that mm. one. Absolutely, I think he's perfect in that. But then there's a couple when he's sort of he's been in the storm and his shirt's torn and stuff. And I think you look at you're, you're moving towards more of a sort of Hulk area. Yes. You know, oh. a little bit maybe Solomon Grundy mm. kind of size. Um, but yeah, it's still it's still good. I have to say the um, one of the quotes I found from him, he said he'd never drawn Superman when he was growing up. He wasn't as naturally. He said, no. "I'm not as naturally drawn to Superman as I am to Batman." Um, and he said he said he had to teach himself to draw the S. He couldn't figure out how to do it. And Joe Madariah showed him how to do it. He said, just draw two fish. And that's how he worked <laughs> it out. So there you go. That was quite a good little quote. But there you go. Um, and there is a slight, a slight a... redesign, isn't there? There's a, from, yeah, from a more sort of size perspective. Yeah. There, there, there's an interesting thing with all this. We're about talking about the, you know, him being that sort of lumpy oafish or hulkish kind of thing. Yeah. I've never spoken to, to Vinnie about it, to Frank quietly about it directly but i there is i'd love to know if, if frank quietly had actually studied this before he did yeah All-Star good Superman. point actually yeah because i do think there is a relationship in the design that, that tim sale uses here and the design that, that frank quietly ultimately uses in in all-star yeah, and again it's that sort of big set head with big neck on big shoulders you know and it's because um, it's not that like it's disproportional or anything. It's just yeah. they've made him like a really big guy. There's moments of size change, I'm going to say, that took me by surprise. There's the scene um, after the storm. I, in my version, it's page 33, where he's hugging Mar and Pa Kent, um, if you find that. Um, I mean, yep. It's got the red sky behind them, you know. 
Um, mm. And then if you switch to the next page with him bringing, he's flying the tractor down into the. I don't. I yeah. feel like there's a slight difference there somehow. Yeah. It changes it up a little bit for me. It's not. This is not. This is a very small quibble in an amazing book, but it's just a little something, you know. Maybe. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I love the bit he then goes speak to. You know, again, it's the small town boy because he then goes to speak to the pastor. Does, and what yeah. am I going to do? And you know, the, yeah. the pastor of the church says, "Well, look, if you've got to leave, you've got to go and do your, do your thing." Um. So by the end of spring, he is he exposes his powers to to Lana Lang. Yeah, he and there's a lovely that, moment with them flying. I do love that double page spread. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, she at that point realizes that any life that she thought she would have with Clark Kent is is no more. Um, and that comes back as a, a big bit of the story later on. And then it's, it's basically him with the, and then there's the, uh, there is just the, um. Kansas skyline of yeah. the, the big flat and the, the big sky. Now that's, that's, let's talk about that briefly because um, he's colorblind, um, Tim Sale. Mm. He, uh, he, I can't create with color. It's a quote I wrote down when I heard him interviewed. Um, and so he had to get a colorist in who does, an amazing, who does a great job in this. I have to say the colorist on, on this, I really do enjoy what they do. And it's a guy called, I think it's a guy, called Bjorn Hansen. Um, he is a Danish art director, painter, and colorist. He's not like a super regular colorist, is he? Um, no. He works for a, a Danish television company, and he's a background artist on a lot of animated features, including some of the Asterix movies. Um, he worked on a few DC titles. He worked on House of Secrets, The Light Brigade, and uh, A God Somewhere, if you read that. It's quite good. Um, he worked as an art director mm. on the animated movie, um, the French movie, I think it is, The Illusionist. Have you seen it? It's quite art housey. All right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was nominated as a colorist award for this Superman job. Um, and he worked at, worked on Dead Enders at Vertigo in 2000, but not much since, actually. I think he did Proposition Player for Vertigo, which is a great series. People should read it. Yeah. Um, but this is... That page is... That page is his. You know, if they had to say who owns that page, the colorist owns that page when they're looking out of the Kansas Yes, Island. because it's, 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 it's Sunset. Yeah. And it's a... Um, an array of purples and oranges, yeah. which is the only skyline you get when you know at, at, at sunset. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's great from that perspective. And again, it's the um, you know Clark saying goodbye to to his father or to Packing to say you know and I'm, I'm off to city. And the so the summer story, sorry, the spring storyline basically ends with him arriving in yeah. in Metropolis. And the fact that Lex Luthor staring at the window, not not happy. I love that, that, yeah. And I, I love the way he draws Lex Luthor. This is not um, Superman versus Spider-Man. This is not the one in the armour. This is... Um, he could be straight out of um, a Shadow book, couldn't he? This guy, this Luthor. Yeah. Now, this, this does have a tie to the time, though, doesn't it? Because... There was yeah. in the actual main Superman book. So the with the Man of Steel thing Superman, going on, didn't we? Did, did Superman get? Did, sorry, did Lex Luthor get a clone at some point? And it was just everyone that said it was his son. It was a. Was I the, can't yeah, he's the one with the Australian accent in the audio play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. 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 And he um, he had the Supergirl that was actually a shapeshifter, and we had all that uh, period of stuff, didn't we? But, yeah. Regardless, yeah. So that that's why I think, and some, but again, it's also supposed to be thing. This is a young Lex Luthor, right? So he's not gone bald yet. He is, you know, he still has a receding hairline. Yeah. Uh, quite heavily receding, and there's some beautiful bits later on where he's when Lex. Sounds weird. There's a yeah, a beautiful scene of Lex Luthor in the shower, yeah. which really shows him as being, you know, a, a slightly overweight businessman who controls the world. Yeah, think. exactly. That's what he is, isn't he? And um, yeah. I hate to use the T word, but there's a Trumpist quality to him here, isn't there? <laughs> a little bit. In, yeah, it, it's difficult to, to read it without that as a, yeah. a as a lens. A man with like. a huge ego that just can't have it beaten, which is yeah. so. Um, you know it's so resonant of what's happening right now that's <laughs> uh yeah it's and i i love him like this he's a he's a he's a guy there's no physicality about it he's dependent on his brain to defeat superman there's yeah. there's that difference isn't superman isn't portrayed as like the super genius as we see him elsewhere he's this kid from kansas and he's up against he, whilst he has all these amazing powers he's up against a guy who can outthink him and that's kind of for me, often a great dynamic. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's a nice little dynamic between Lex and Superman. I think we see we, we mm. see sometimes. Yeah. Good. Should we so um, should we duck out and talk a little yeah. bit about Tim Sale now before we get on to yeah, the next one? So Tim was born first of May, nineteen fifty six, in Ithaca, New York. Although he then went and lived in Seattle. Um, he, uh, like we said, he's colorblind, and he he said at one point that after seeing the the Superman TV series, he had nightmares about kryptonite. I think he said. Um, he attended the School of Visual Arts, like so many others. I know Bob Fingerman attended that, as did the editor of this comic, Joey Cavaliera. Um, and he attended workshops whilst learning to be an artist by John Buscema. It's interesting. Um, he was bought Zorro and Robin Hood comics as a kid. Um, and remembers... He picked up a reprint of a Ditko comic, and he said the, the memories of the, the original experience he had of that Ditko comic, this is a reprint, flooded back. Um, and he remembered his father buying it. Um, he started working on fancy novels and illustrations and outside of um, comics famously worked in the Heroes TV series. And he quotes Dave Sim as an influence. He said uh, he was a big fan of some of Dave Sim's Cerebus stuff but was too scared of him to pitch to him, which I think is quite cool. Um, he's... Um, all been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he frightened me. First UCAC I went to, he frightened the shit out of me. Yeah. It's, uh yeah, good. So... How would you? Where would you put his art style, man? Where would, if you had to describe it to someone who was listening and never and never read anything by him before, what would you say? Right. So, I would say he is yeah. putting aside the Superman book for a second. Yeah. I would say he was a scratchy Magnola. Okay. Now, that, that's un, that, that that sounds unflattering, but what I mean by that is that. The vast majority of work that that you would see with Tim Sale does involve a lot of shadow, a lot of darkness, a lot of you know the the use of blacks in the right places to to create a lot of images. But he uses a lot f- a lot finer line to do his outline work than Bignola does. Or yeah, and certainly in the Superman uh, books, it's very line. You know, there's a line yeah, to it, not a, it, yeah, block. Yeah, you know, maybe it's yeah, maybe that's another way. It, it is that cross between Frank quietly and and Magnola. That's actually probably yeah, a that's good chat. You could put them in between the two, it. couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um and that's yeah, that's probably unfair on all three. But you, you know what I mean? That, and again that's in terms of saying that 
he he will get a story across to you he will create an atmosphere with regard to his his artwork he um you know precisely what's happening in front of you yeah. he will do an awful lot of exaggeration with regard to his his characterization yeah batman gets big ears and huge cloaks and all sorts of things doesn't he, yeah. he gets, so, uh, yeah batman's pointy ears must be about a good 12 inches long <laughs> yeah you know it's um, and and all of the villain work that he did in in Long Halloween again he he restylized each of the villains but you know exactly who it was yeah exactly yeah to to the extent that there are there's a set of twelve lobby cards that were done for the Long Halloween that uh, were basically okay. the cover the co- the covers of Long Halloween right where you know it's it's this basically it's the silhouette image of the the villain of the month that's in the book and again you know they are they are caricatures in some ways but they they they're very oddly detailed and oddly shaped versions of the of the characters so the joker has a huge spiky smile yeah there's a lot of Uh, teeth on very thin teeth a lot of thin teeth yeah you know it's um so this you know and the mad hatter again is got a good big exploding mouth of teeth going everywhere and all that sort of stuff um so no he's really good at creating that sort of atmosphere side of things and he puts in a hell of a lot of detail yeah and that you know when, when you come to the superman book here there's so much going on in the background at times yeah there's um especially in book one for me the the details of small town america you know picket fence america are so gorgeous they're so done and then you'll get a big i'm just looking at the double page spread where he stops the rocket and um and and <laughs> some fool would probably say oh, there's not much work on that page, is there? But there is so much. Look at the. I mean, some of it may be done by the colorist, but look at the reflection yeah. in the rocket. And I just love that page so much. It's just uh, why that isn't an well, iconic I'm, Superman image we see all the time. I don't know. I think it's really good. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that that image has to have been seen by whoever did Superman Returns right. the film. Yeah. Because you know the scene where he catches the plane that's falling to oh, the, yeah. the stadium well that was actually that, written by the, the story around that is um i don't know if you've heard him tell it but the they they filmed it and then they came back and said look there's not enough action in this movie and they said to gabriel hardman can you write something so he wrote something in storyboards that became that scene the baseball diamond scene yeah um so that was completely well, from hardman actually so i wouldn't be surprised if you hadn't seen this you know he probably will have done because that 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 image is you know if you replace that with a jumbo jet with no wings that's exactly what that yeah. is but yeah. you're right that that's that's spot on it's Superman. got weight and drama and yeah so gorgeous yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so we've moved to summer okay in, yeah. in terms of 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 book to, or chapter two of the the storyline yeah. um where the narrator changes so it's no longer packing talking about his, his side this is lois lane so this is lois lane um Shortly after Superman has arrived in Metropolis, yeah, um, being the hard-edged, cynical reporter, um, comes out with some absolute beautiful lines. Um, so he writes the, the great lowest, doesn't he? He does, yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- there's the couple of pages after the so page sixty-nine in my book, which is Superman flying above the Earth, yes, yeah, um, and looking down the planet. So it's, it's Lois narrating it, basically, and she talks about being the reporter and, you know, and the fact that she's been a reporter t- too long. So, you know, she's she doesn't believe in Santa Claus. And it's this whole thing about being the cynical person going, nobody can be that good. Nobody can, you know, nobody with that amount of power can be 
good. Why would you, you know, if you had all that, and it is like a great classic one to say to somebody, you know, if you had Superman's powers, would you really go save the universe? Or would you be the one that would say, actually, I'll be in charge? Yeah, yeah. You know? And it, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic of, you know, from the narration perspective of saying the human story here is Lois going, I just don't buy it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Why, why would this make sense? Yeah, the cynicism of her almost, isn't it? You know, which plays so well in these Superman stories. I really enjoy that side of things where she's sort mm. of, she's kind of cleverer than everyone, isn't she, really? She's she's us in a way often, and I kind of like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. It's a very much an action-orientated one, that one, compared to a lot of stillness and a lot of, you know, character stuff that plays out in, this, in the, the first prestige yeah. format. We're not calling them trades, are we? The first issue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, is there any so, other little spread you like? A lot of this is about building up as well this antagonism between Luther and Superman. Yeah. And there's, again, there's a scene slightly later on in that, that trade about where, where Lois is being held captive or hostage and, and, you know, gun to the head type thing. And basically Luther and Superman are standing side by side and Luther starts to make yes. a, a statement about yeah. why... The, the terrorist should let her go and in that before he's finished making the statement Superman's there and back again and pulled the gun out of the guy's hand and crushes it to bits yeah. and it's the fact that that is setting the, it's not the fact that Luther is a bad guy and going oh you know being the, the villain who wants to, to rob everything or steal the, the diamond or whatever it would be it's the reason that Luther does not like Superman is basically he embarrasses him yeah they go yeah. through this process, you know, and, and not just this one-off, but constantly through it. And, you know, Luther is, is used to being the top dog, and suddenly there's somebody who's just embarrassed, and, it, and it's doing so in front of somebody who, who he has a crush on as well. And all yeah, that, you know, a pretty lady. Sees, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's suddenly that, oh, you know, Lois, come back in the car with me, I'll take you safe. And she goes, no, I'll, I'll fly with him back to the planet yeah. type thing. And don't forget and, that's done, the movement in that scene is done with the colour. When you look at yes, it, it really yeah, is. Yeah, which, the, re, I'm really glad we brought up the colorist because he, he adds so much to this. Mm, completely. Yeah. And again, it's a bit of your, your Trumpism piece. Isn't yeah, it? it really <laughs> is. Right? The, yeah. But it is that whole look. The, the, what, what made him a bad guy here is literally somebody wound him up. And he just, you know, and that that's, and it just builds and builds on that. Um, and there's some lovely scenes again with this about um, a few pages later on. Clark going back to his apartment and it being a really boring apartment and him being really bored in the apartment. Yeah. And then he, he literally just opens the window and the next scene is he arrives in the field to, to speak to Jonathan Kent. Oh, to go, that double parade spread makes that double parade spread will break you, man. And it? it's the most beautiful thing, isn't it? Where they, yeah. they meet in the field. But it, again, it's the beautifulness about, Lois is the, the narrator of this, yeah. so she doesn't know what's happening, but she's you know typing up this whole thing about I don't believe who he is, yes. who is the Superman, and you know and slowly she's starting to to get it if you like, you know, and, and that line about yeah, oh does he have a fortress of solitude somewhere? Yeah, and it's the fact that he's actually gone all the way back to um, to Smallville to basically give his dad a hug, you know, and, that, and you're like that counterpoint works so well, doesn't it? You know, yeah. You know, against the cynicism to think, well, this is why he's not cynicism. He's got his you know, big castle the... somewhere, and yeah, he yeah. hasn't. He's just got his dad and his mum, and yeah, 
No, it's so good. I think maybe we should talk a little bit about Man of Steel here because there are parallels to be made between it, aren't they? Um, mm. a, a number of years before this, we got the the reworking, the post-crisis Superman. And Byrne and Lowe play in different ways with it, don't they? They They both discover powers. They both discover metropolis they both discover lois they both discover lex there are there's there's little things going on that run parallel aren't there yeah oh 100 yeah. percent. and you know this is just a different different take on it with a different yeah. set of pacing yes i think the burn tells that as a superman story yeah well this is being as i say this as you say this the humanity side of it mm. so this is you know the jonathan kent's story the lois lane story we're about to move on to the you know, the Lex Luthor story. Yeah. And, you know, the this is telling the the emergence of Superman into the world in their, you know, from their context of how it, it matters and impacts them. Yeah. Well, I think the burn piece, rightly so, because it was the reintroduction of Superman into the, you know, to post-crisis DC universe, was, the, you know, told from his perspective of yeah. child from... And we give them vulnerabilities. They both give them vulnerabilities in different ways. So vulnerability in Loeb's book is the humanness, you know, the 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 the, the vulnerability of him is the fact that he is a human. He is kind of, you yeah. know, but the vulnerability in um, Burns' one was he depowered him quite substantially. So I think before that, yeah. we've been used to sort of Superman pulling the planet out of its, you know, whatever, you know, picking up a city. Or access the other <laughs> yeah, exactly. access and reverse the turn back time. Yeah. yeah. Now, <clears throat> before we get on to the third volume, I wanted to mention a little bit because I've never met, I've spoken very briefly to Lowe, but I've never met Sale, although I think I saw him in a lift once. The, mm. yet, uh, but you've, um, you've spoken to and got commissions from Sale, haven't you? A couple, I think. Is that right? Yeah. So I've, I've met Tim Sale twice. Yeah. Um, the, se- the second time was a much more boring time, which was in Thought Bubble. I think that's what I think um, where I saw him. Yeah, yeah. Which would have been I think it was twenty ten, okay. and um, he, he did a commission there for me for um, of Commissioner Gordon. That's right. Which it's gorgeous. One mate. of my tropes is is to, to, to ask for things that that are a little bit to the side, you know, just, yeah. Uh, because people then go, oh, that, that's different. And yeah, it's Gordon with a big skyline and bat symbol. And I think you showed but, it to me, and we had to talk about it, didn't we? And it's it's yeah. definitely. He knows how to build Gordon's face with a moustache, and you know, there's that going on. It's, it's just perfect. And the glasses, but you yeah. can't see the eyes because the glasses got the reflection on it and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's 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 one of them. But no, the the first time I met Tim Sale was actually in Boston in the US. Okay. Um, I had not gone for the Comic Con. I perhaps chose the weekend. Is this the story we tell our wives? Is it? Is that how it goes? It. Well, <laughs> it was a case of. Oh, do you want to go to Boston? Yes, we'll go to Boston. Right. Do you want to go in, I don't know what month it was, but let's say September. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can't be that weekend. Can we make it the other weekend? <laughs> yeah, fine. Right. Yeah. Oh, look what's happening while we're there. So I happened to get to go to the Boston Comic Con for one day. Nice. Yeah. Um, and the way that Tim Sale works is if you go first thing in the morning, you get given a, a time slot where you can go back to collect or to get a commission. Okay. And he operates um, or on that. On that particular scenario. Well, so he draws them while you're waiting sort of thing, does he? Yeah, but what he does is he has a timer, (laughs) a big egg timer, and basically you're paying for his time. Right. So he turns the egg timer over and draws, and when the egg timer is finished, whatever the commission has got to at that point, he stops. And that's I kind of like know, that. and that's I have, as you know. probably have, you know, keep popping back to the table, fighting your way through a huge convention to say, "Hey, getting on," and they haven't even really drawn more than an yeah. arm. I kind of yeah. like that idea. Yeah, 
So yeah. he he does so many of those throughout the day, and you you're so you, you get your time slot, and you you get to go back and like. And then that, through, when he's not doing that, he'll do some signing and the odd free sketch for for people. Normally, of which is like a very a four line Batman type thing, right. which is I love people who can do that. Yeah, uh, Dave Gibbons with his Rorschach sketch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tim Seale can do it with a, where you everybody in the queue gets something and is happy. My, and goes my away brave going, fog all you know. Batman's like that actually. There's an element of yeah. that to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, because I was waiting to get my commission piece, and there was a, the queue there to Mrs. H joined the queue, and at that point in time, she was collecting, or because of various uh, comic cons she was at, she would go up and say, "Can I get you to draw a black cat?" Right now, this partially started by well, because at the time we had a black cat, and we'd met Dave McKean at something, and obviously he'd drawn nice. um, was it Jacob's Paul. Okay. The, the the book right covering that so it, which has a cat in it so you know and she'd met the artist because of well, again some event we'd been at one of the artists from Corky the cat and it was like oh, draw me a black cat and we go you know so there's a David Lloyd in her collection of a black cat nice gets the yeah. gets to the front of the queue and says to, to Tim Sale can you draw me a black cat to which he looked up and went no <laughs> <laughs> not 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 at all no. We have a lithograph in in our bathroom that is actually um of, it's not a Catwoman picture, but if you ever look it up on the internet, it's always classed as one. Right. Um, which was a European thing where of women being chased by a black cat across a and her, her reflection across a shiny floor. And so I had to basically lean forward and say she doesn't mean the character black cat. Right. And he looked at it. All right. I said, well, do you remember this lithograph you did for a European thing? And he went, oh yeah. So just the cat. So um. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, every other free sketch he did was just line work. But for Moira, he broke out the, the inks and then uh, the, the ink wash and ink washed this black Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So um, it, it went from um, from being this sort of, no, I'm not drawing black cat to, <laughs> no, no, ah, black cat. Nice. And, and suddenly made a lot of sense. And, and you know, it's, it's on the wall behind me, actually, because it's, it's a little piece that fit in a frame. So. Good stuff, man. Yeah, I like, I like it when an artist as a little bit of a oh that sounds fun you know rather than mm. just the same old thing you know i'm um, dave oh, yeah, dave so gibbons is very polite but i'm sure he's, he'd rather draw something than rorschach every time you know but uh well this is he he can draw rorschach without looking at the page can. yeah that's true i've got one in front of me i've got one in front of me yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's which is which again me is, is all anybody wants at times yeah he's very true very true good so let's move on a little bit to the next. So we, let's because so we're running a bit behind. Yeah. So, um, so we've got yeah. two so more. So next one's Yeah. Yeah, and the next one's probably one of the quickest. Sorry. So okay. fall, which is the one by Luther. Yep. Um. So this is this is a proper Luther's pissed off by this point because, um, Superman's you know become the big thing, uh, and he wants to basically go to the extent of, how do I get you know how do I make Superman look weak again? Yeah. Um. And he creates. A supervillain. Um, I, I love the fact that he creates a one that could not look more like it was a 1970s, 1980s designed supervillain in terms of the, the look and design that she's got with the yeah, that's big true. hair and the, the yep. you know, and it's proper Frank Miller esque. Yeah, there is. I was thinking about that because it reminded me a little bit of someone from Martha Washington or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, I, I think it is that it's supposed to be. Look, this is supposed to be ridiculous right. because it's Luther creating a villain. Yeah. So if you had to create a villain, what would you make them look like? Well, what's the most villainous person you can think look like? You know, of comic book villain you think of? 
Yeah. There is a brilliant comment throwaway joke in here that um so it's in the middle of the Daily Planet. Lois is basically looking over Dark Clark's desk to find out what's what's on it. And he's reading a piece of paper um which basically says, Oh, we need to and you know, there's stuff I need to talk about LL. Yes. And it's yeah, this whole right. running gag yeah. about the so how many people do you know that have the initials LL? Yeah. And by that point, you suddenly go, eh, at least three. I'm the... thinking three at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. there's three of the top of my head there. Yeah. So I thought that was a really, really funny, funny joke. Um, nice bit of facial then... acting in that as well. He doesn't get enough credit for that because he does a lot with a few lines, doesn't he? Um, yeah. A, yeah. There's a bit of, his head's a bit too big. <laughs> But that style, that's his style, how he does it. It's not... Yeah, yeah I kind of no, dig I'm it. Not. Yeah. 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 Um, he then draws uh, an image of Luther standing at the window going, and this is the American way. Um, yeah. Which... Oh, my God. Could that not could be, be more the, Trump? The cover <laughs> to whatever Trump book you wanted to be. And <laughs> yeah. You, you, you talk about what is the what is the Superman image in this book and him stopping the train. So good. Yeah. I was going to mention that one as well. My favorites. Yeah. I think I actually think it's a slightly better than the rocket one purely because you can see more of Superman's face, but that, yeah, so yeah. You know what? If you have the rocket one, I'll take this one. There's um, one each. There's the the sudden stop of motion in that. It's just incredible. Isn't it? The way it crunches up, you got the glass flying at the the top. Glass. Just so nice. The way the, the metals all crumpling up. Beautifully done. So yeah, that that that's that's what it's, it looks like right there. Um, and basically, this is you know, he he then faces down against Luther's pet villain um, called Toxic, um, who has um, made a whole lot of people go to sleep and manages to create rain. Now, the whole thing about this is the fact that Luther again is trying to break Superman down yeah. from the perspective of saying the only way that you can save the day is to make Toxic die. Or, you know, is you know you can't save everybody. Yeah, and he he does it. And again, it's that whole thing about he's created the weakness. It doesn't matter how powerful Superman is, he's created the weakness. And Clark basically implodes in on himself, and again returns to Smallville. Yeah, um, realizing that you know doesn't matter what I've done. You know what what's the point in, of having all these powers if I can't save everybody? And and, and that's you know yeah that that's the conversation. Now this is proper hard ass. Luther, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. because this is this is not old Luther in the with a kryptonite ring and uh, this is him literally going, I'm going to think my way out of this and I am going to bring you down by by thinking you you know out, out thinking. I'm going to be one step ahead of you, that kind of thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, really. And it's you know it's it's the fact that it, it's the, you know, the 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 fact that it, you know the the last this was a love story. Um, take all good love stories. It was full of betrayal, anger, tragedy, and revenge. And that's Luther's view of God. That's how I deal with this. Yeah. I put, you know, you know, I, I, I break you down. There's some great single page images in this. Um, the one where um, you just get the corner of um, in my in my version, it's 130. You get the right hand corner is Superman, but through the window with the lightning striking as a reflection, you get the face of Luther. The, mm. the hunched over shoulders, you know, just looking out. So beautiful, so lovely. And the rain yeah. hitting the floor, really gorgeous, yeah. So. Yeah. Good. 
And then we move to winter. Yeah. Um, and we, this is, winters... the start of this, we get this return, returning gag, don't we? So there's this kid who keeps like almost <laughs> dying because he always seems to be on the top of buildings somewhere. Um, and but, yeah. we get a returning gag of uh-huh. him, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, and this time it's, yeah, the, the, the Luther machine that saves him rather than... Yeah, in that sort of classic purple and green, which I think I first saw Superman vs. Spider-Man. I think that's kind of the colouring that I first saw there, the Ross Andrews stuff. Um, yeah, um, some Super Friends stuff probably from okay. mid eighties. Um, yeah, and then the, it, of course, the cartoon. It, became, it, was yeah. the, the, it was Luther's armor as well, wasn't it? And that sort of thing. I don't yeah, mind it. I think exactly. it works. I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. Again, it, 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 the fact that they didn't put Luther in it, and they actually said it was Luther's sort of Luther robot soldier. Yeah. I, I like in terms of that. Um, yeah. So the final story is, is Lana Lang's narration yeah. and her her view of of things. Um, Quite a lot of that, however, it's back to Lois being, you know, not knowing where Clark has gone or that. And there's there's a really interesting thing is where the there's this is her sat at his desk, splash page with, um, a paper framed on the wall behind her. Yeah. Where not seeing it, it's you know it's actually going. This is kind of dating it in terms of the context of own. He's not yet, or this was before he was Superman in Metropolis because it says. It flies. Yeah. And I just thought it was a really nice twist on that. And it's the join the um, dots moment, isn't it? It really is that. It's if you were trying to work out who it was, she's holding his name and having him mm. fly over the top of her in the newspaper. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice, it's a, it's a nice and bit it, of narrative in, a, in a, a drawing. She's also looking quite foxy at this point, I'd like to say. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of. I was never. A, I was never. A, I was more of a Medusa kind of guy because I'm a bit freaky. But the she's looking quite good here with the dark hair. I've got to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then this, the story then revolves on the fact that, um, and and there's some beautiful pages where he's they go back into the store. Um, yeah, they are really like that man. And I think thinking back on it i remember two things from this series we don't remember everything do we i remembered the smallville at the start and the snow at the end they're the two mm. things that sort of really really echoed back for me on this and and, and uh, when i got to the last issue i said oh here it is this is the stuff i really loved yeah yeah i did wonder now this is maybe me stretching on page 169 in my book which so they've just crossed the bridge and they're lying in the snow to make snow, snow angels, angels. yeah yep. however if you read that is that a um, cock and balls joke? <laughs> it might be, mightn't it? I did. I looked at it. Because... I didn't look at that when I reread it the other day, and I just as I was scanning through it, I just thought, oh yeah, it might be, mightn't it? Yeah, just yeah, it might well be a cock and balls joke. Yeah. Well, it's the fact that the the, the line is, I haven't done this since we were kids. Clark, yours just looks like a, and then they just walk away from it. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> normally, if you're making a snow angel, you you push your feet apart as well. He hasn't. Yeah. Now, I think the thing is supposed to be, oh, it looks like Superman and his cape. Yeah. But no, I was like going, oh, that really reads as a cock and balls joke. Yeah. Anyway. Good. I'm gonna write to Jeff um, now. See what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> So it then gets a little bit funny with regard to, the, you know, there's then a big storm again hits yep. Smallville and it's all about saying, well, how, you know, Superman just happens to be there. I find it really amusing to see Superman in his costume, but wearing a Mac because it's raining. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That just amuses me yeah. to go, yeah, it's, it's raining. So I'm, I'm, rather than get my costume wet, I'll wear <laughs> with this, this raincoat on top. That's just odd. I really like the um, way it mirrors the bed in the issue in issue two with him in his own bed in Smallville. So if you look mm. at this, it's almost the same format of bedroom. 
um but one's a city and one's a country and he's he's back yeah. in bed again yeah no it's good yeah. So the piece just before that, there's the again one of the perfect lines from Marking in this in this particular case, where Lana doesn't know how to deal with the fact that she's you know she she's left Smallville because she knew that Clark Kent had his powers. Um, there's a really interesting thing here with the fact that Pete Ross was the one that wanted to leave and never leaves. She yeah. wanted to stay but left, and Clark was always going to be the one there, and. It's you know it's the fact that she she's talking to Mark Kent about the fact that you know she doesn't know how to do you know to deal with a Superman or and it's the fact that she struggles to get his name. She, how do you deal with her? And she basically Mark Kent steps in is Clark. His name is Clark. Yeah. And, and you know and and to me that I know that this was you know this book was partially inspirational for Smallville. That's the inspiration for Smallville right there. He is Clark. To turn and say, he was always Clark to me. Clark's he was never Kal-El to me. He was always Clark. You know, yeah. And it's and it's a case of that 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 one page if you like and the fact that the how does Lana Lang deal with it? It's all about the fact that yeah, you just deal with him as being Clark yeah. who happens to have powers. There's a comfortable feeling between writer and artist in this. They know they trust each other, I think. Which I don't mm. think always happens with Jeff Loeb's books. Um the, they know how to spread. And there's the. I mean, to me, it's um, it's page one five four, hundred fifty four, and it's the it's the she knows page, and mm. I love that page because it's just they know how to take their time with it, and yeah, and there's and it's she just I know, and it's just so yeah. well done. Yeah, that that whole sequence, as I say, from that through to basically hard selling Clark. You need to now go and be Superman for the purposes of saving the things that need saving. Yeah, um, that yeah is, is beautifully done. And the the guys in the the guys in the diner who are playing cards are perfect. Yeah. Just perfect. Yeah, yeah, just what you need in this. It's not too seriously. They're almost like there's a Three Stooges element to them being pals, and you know there's that. They're just yeah. the comedy relief, but they're not at one point. You they realise they know, and I really like that element. So, and they invite them to play cards mm. at one point, don't they? It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. And man. then the last thing, yeah. last thing I was going to call out, just because I'm also conscious of time, yeah. is they, they end up back at the church at the end of all this, and the pastor's doing his his, his speech, and there's a, a, a long panel at the bottom of the page of basically all the people that live in Smallville, yeah. if you like. Um, and you look at that long panel, and if if you know, if I told you that you know, and said oh, one of these people is Superman. <laughs> <laughs> pick him out from that line. Yeah. I just love the way it, it's actually a beautiful thing. But you know, we're talking about. We've, but at this point, he has got his shoulders back more. He's yeah. lifted his body more in terms, than he was in the, in the start of the book, where he was a bit something more. But this is back to this whole thing about look, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne are big men. Yeah, exactly. Because, They've got them. Yeah. And in this lineup, you've got like, you know, somebody who's tall. You've got you know, but who's who's weedy. You've got you know. Everyone else is a bit short and dumpy and all that sort of stuff. And then there's this guy who looks like he's three foot across and, you know, six foot six. And yeah, he's an American football player in that scene, isn't built, he? Yeah. Built like they're proverbial. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's just, you know, just a, just a nice touch for me. Yeah, that's a great... And then the, 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 the structure of these panels... And then a lot of the pages don't have many panels on them, but they're so well no. structured. And there's, I mean, that central panel on that page is gorgeous, man. That overhead of them all yeah. outside the church, oh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And then it closes with him returning yep. to um, to Metropolis, saying, "I am Superman." Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's no, good. Yeah, what what a book, man! Absolutely. 
Now, a couple of questions before we get on to We're just going to mention a couple of... Um, I think we'll probably just mention them, won't we? A couple of things. Yeah. So, to you, so for, I know we've just had a love-in around, uh, around this book, but for you, Superman or Batman by sale? I'd probably still go Batman. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um... Superman or Batman for Loeb then? What about Loeb? Superman there, I think. I think he writes a really good Superman. I think he does, man. I I agree. Yeah, I I think you're right. And I think you're right when you say that um, a lot of his Bat books are about the villains. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. And that's, you know, that's the right. Yeah. Good. Now, you, we were going to um, you were going to just briefly touch on another one of his books because we uh, in in our plan we didn't expect to take over an hour. Just yeah, but you were going to yeah. you were going to mention another one. We're, we're more relevant than that. So yeah, two two final things. Then. So I also reread Hulk Grey. Yep. Um, which is a really is, you know it's an odd element because this is the Hulk was grey for how many issues? I <laughs> know. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he went back it, to being grey for a while, didn't he? Let's face it. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. The, the, the purpose of this storyline is because all the, the, it's, it sets a sort of origin piece of going, he's grey briefly. Um, it's it's a bit clunky, the, the dialogue in this, I must admit. Everybody seems to know that he's called Hulk as soon as one person calls him Hulk. It's just amused me to go, how did you know he was called Hulk? Yeah. <laughs> um, and but there's a beautiful scene in the middle where Hulk is is out in the desert at night, and he's picked up a rabbit, <laughs> and it, I mean it's a complete lift from um, of mice and men in Steinbeck, right? Um, okay. Where basically he holds the rabbit, and they go, "Oh, the rabbit's you know rabbit grey like Hulk, you know Hulk's friend, you know rabbit so- or Hulk's friend soft, not like Hulk." And then, oh, Hulk's friend, wet. Why wet? And at this point, he brings his finger up, and it's covered in blood. Right. And I just, you know, that I, I will love him and squeezing him, and I will call him George. This is all the way through my head there. And you know, again, it, it's it's beautifully rendered. It's beautifully drawn. Um, as I say, I find the, the the writing a little bit clunkier than than the Superman book. Yeah. But maybe that's just you know what it, what they were trying to get across in that effect. I get you, man. Yeah, I get you. It's um I've read it. It's, of the one of them mm. all, it's the one I don't remember well enough. I've got to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't really remember it very well. I think I read it on a flight. And, and then the one challenge I'm going to set everybody. Right. <laughs> right. You can set yourself this if you like. Yeah. Is to go back and get or to open up the um, Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween special number one, or if you've got Haunted Night, it's book one of that. Right. Where on page sixteen. Um, it's Halloween, so Bruce Wayne attends his own Halloween party um, that um, Alfred's obviously pulled together. And he walks in, and I've spotted at least, did I get to, six comic characters oh, that appear. We'll get to in, another one of these in a minute, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where you've got Hobbs from Calvin and Hobbs, you've got Phony Bone, who you talked oh, about okay. the other week there. Right. Cere- Cerebus is in it, Milk and Cheese is in it. Uh, Madman is in it. Wally, as in where's Wally, right, is in it. Okay. Two two different Tin Men from uh, from the Wizard of Oz are in it. Um, and 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 it's it's just one of these great things to go. Yeah, Tim Sale was told to draw a party scene where everyone's in costume, and clearly he's gone. I'm just going to see what I can get away with here from a right. uh, perspective of screw copyright. Yeah. Um, and and just going for it. So now there's there's a challenge to see what other characters uh, okay, you can name cool. at the party. Well, on the same on the same tip, 
in a slightly more serious mode let's talk a little bit about um sam's story which appeared in the back of batman and superman 26 it was the backup sorry mate you finished with the hulk there dude sorry I mean, yeah, yeah okay yeah, cool yeah, 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 um yeah. it was the backup in superman 26 now superman Super, batman superman 26 is interesting because it's a story that was written by jeff's son sam before he died and it's sort of finished by a lot of artists who sort of stepped up and you get different artists on different pages sort of thing but the backup is by Loeb and sale and um is is heartbreaking i'm not going to i'm not, not going to go through it because i think if you, you do we really do need to read it but it's about the other friend who we didn't know about who hung about in smallville with uh lana and uh clark and he's the sort of funny kid he wasn't very well but he was they all loved him you know that sort of type character um now if you go to page one have you, have you got it there do by any chance I don't have a right, but if you yeah, go to the if you go to the mm. first page, look to the right, and there's uh, MJ and Gwen walking off, and uh, <laughs> MJ has got her arm round Gwen's waist, and I'm thinking, well, that's uh, a wet dream I've had a number of times before. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's um, it's the nicest story. It it's so sad, man, and so beautiful, and it's one of the ones that were we recording when we talked about the continuation stories. I, can't, I don't think we were, were we? No, don't yeah. Matter. So, yeah, there are there are three continuation. Well, there are three other stories set in the Superman for All Seasons universe. There's yeah. this one, and it's, it's interesting to note that this one is also narrated by Pa Kent. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Which again, because it's talking about how does Clark deal with the friend? Yeah. And and the situation. And, you know, it, it's really interesting from that perspective to go, yeah, but this is still not a Clark Kent story. This is the Pa Kent's view of what happened, you know, and it's how does he as a, a father deal with... Well, um, his son loses the, a friend, the, doesn't the, he? His, friend. His, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's so sad. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's, and yeah, it's really nicely balanced from that perspective. It's only a short one. Um, it's... Um five or six pages yeah i think it's six pages actually i think yeah and it's yeah. there's there's some panels which are some of the best panels i think the one of clark running crossing shadow across the field i think i put mm. out on twitter and two people said to me oh, what's that that looks good and they're right it is an amazing thing and it's you know no matter how powerful he is we talk about superman's humanity again it is it is really impressive yeah. the other two that um are also um thematically part of the superman for all seasons we've got um superman batman secret files and origins from 2003 which is their first meeting as young boys in, in batman and superman meet in smallville um interesting there though is clark narrates bruce's side of the story right and bruce narrates clark's side of the story uh, okay it's so an interesting twist yeah, yeah yeah and the other one that we haven't mentioned is uh from solo number one 2004 prom night and it's Clark's misadventures in attempting to pick Lana up for the prom. <laughs> and he ends up getting covered in mud, pushing a car and all sorts of things. It's uh, it's just like a nice little story, isn't it? There's not yeah. much more to say narrated, about it there. Then. Yeah. This time related by Martha, because again, it's a mother's story ah, about her son. Okay. Her son goes to the prom. That's a mother's thing. You know, and again, that's the human element to it in terms of the balance, I, th I think. You know, and yeah. So all of these, I think this is where Jeff really knows what he's doing here because he's gone... This is not about you know. This is about the impact that Superman or Clark Kent has on everybody that he touches. Yeah, you're right, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, so, it's a shame we don't see much of him. Do you know what he's doing these days, Sale? Is he busy elsewhere or? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. Um, I presume he's gone into commercial work to make some money, or you know, and, or I, he'll be storyboarding probably. Yeah, that's um, true. And I know, um, I know, Loeb was very busy with the. Um, 
Marvel live action series and he kind of took that on and and to me was a real success i know he had a little bit of criticism if you google him you'll see it and i'm something mm. i'm not terribly interested in but to me I, I think i think it was really good you know i think, yeah. I think he did well and he took the heart of a lot of these characters over there um he is such a big comics fan i think i'm hoping he will return um you know during the sort of fallow fallow moments of tv work because some tv people are doing now um we might we yeah. might get him back for some more work let's hope so um, but yeah, absolutely brilliant, man. Yeah. And yeah, the two of them together obviously would be, be ideal. Something special, yeah, we'll isn't see. it? Like you said at the start, it really is something special. Yeah. Well, that's the thing as well. It's the sort of thing where, you, because they're also renowned for doing, obviously, one and done stories, that's not quite it, but it, yeah. you know, they can do something that's contained and can and therefore can produce and something. Evergreen. You know, yeah. Marvel, DC always had the Evergreen titles, didn't it? It always had, the, you know, the Dark Knights and all this sort of thing. Um, yeah. and Watchmen, but Marvel never had it, and I think that was the attempt to give them that evergreen, forever on the shelf in Waterstones kind of books that they did with the coloured books. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's a good Actually, idea. Yeah. I'd read more. I'd like to see more. You know, I think there's there's certainly that you know whatever we could do. There must be a Captain Marvel one there somewhere. There's got to be, I don't know, an Iron Fist or something. There's got to be a, t- a character they they'd like to tackle next. I'd like to see Sale do some martial arts in Kunlun one- sort of thing. You know. Yeah, the one they can't do is Iron Man because Iron Man turns off in Hulk Grey. Ah, oh, so of course he does. Have... That rings a bell. Yeah, would, yeah. yeah. They would do Iron Man Gold would basically yeah. be Hulk Grey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, they could do something. Good stuff, man. Right, we're going to talk about you. We've got an advert first. So, um, do you like comics, or do you like high-grade Class A psychedelics and uh, bosomed women? Well, we don't have narcotics or floozies, but we do have comics over at NeverIronAnything.com the new internet venue for serious comics analysis in its written and podcast form. Don't read those simps with their uninformed juvenile and baby talk. Head to Never Own Anything for proper, unhindered by fashion reviews. And don't do drugs, they're bad for you. That's this week's advert. Uh, Can I do one tiny infomercial? Yes, you can. Of course you can. Probably should. Purely because I mentioned that Superman um, domestic abuse storyline. Oh, yeah. The domestic abuse helpline in the UK is 0808 20 if anyone feels they need a telephone number. Good man. I'm always, uh, I'm always a big fan of uh, putting that stuff out there. I don't think it's done enough. Good man. Excellent. So what's happening? Um, we've had, we had a little conversation, didn't we? Because you're hitting an anniversary soon, aren't you? So middle of this coming year, um, let's all meet up for the Strip 2000. <laughs> um <laughs> As, uh, as, as I tried to write that today, it wasn't. It, there's something I love the fact in it. I'm you prepare. Sure the guests that prepare always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, well, no, this is. I'm, I'm trying trying to draft. Well, how do I get to strip two thousand from from where I am in terms of the penguin? Yeah. Um, so yeah, coming up very soon at, at the start of March, we'll have the eighth anniversary of, of penguin running, and um, that will equate to approximately two thousand strips come july in terms of the way that numbering works you got to do uh, you got if... to do all these strips that appeared in 2000 ad one so you could do uh <laughs> peng one instead of mac one peng one yeah, yeah. i can't think what you'd do with harlem heroes what else would there be yeah dan, what would dan well, dare be that's... god <laughs> so I, i'm having i'm having a think as to what the anniversary an anniversary is a big marvel used to fucking have an anniversary every 25 issues at one point yeah. you know so yeah and it's what to make the air because there's also options actually that 2001 might be an easier oh that's <laughs> true all that i'm looking forward to that one where, man yeah you know 
Well, no, it's just a monolith that would be the Pentagon standing oh, there. Going, dig out well. that treasury edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so no, we'll see. Um, so no, that's where we are with that. Um, before we get to that, there should be a new Pentagon book yep. as well. Um, for tax reasons, I'll probably push it to April. Um, <laughs> well, we've got no offset this past year. No travel. No, no, you know, so all my costs that would have pushed down any profits for the tax man haven't <laughs> haven't happened this year. So That's I need true. to, yeah. you know, let, let's move the profits into the next year. <laughs> if you believe there are profits, uh, but no, it's likely to be <laughs> late you know, March or April in in terms of sort of putting up on um, on Kickstarter or doing the pre-order approach whoever's whoever's valid come that yeah I'll get time. yeah and, i don't think you'll like um, get banned but it doesn't do you bad for sales <laughs> yeah well that helps yeah. and i think the the main core of people who have followed me on kickstarter regularly would, would follow oh, man, me first hour you know always side. in the first hour yeah always getting it yeah. yeah but um uh, well i've got all my people in finland that follow me that uh, i'll need to make sure that they ah, they pick me up big in finland I'm big in finland yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool and uh Anything else you're working on at the moment, dude? You, you still doing your paintings or? Paintings have dried up a little bit just post Christmas, just because it's life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's weird as well. I think, you know, so the sales for that kind of dried up because, you know, everyone was buying them for Christmas presents. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll maybe take a, a few weeks off of that or a month or so off that and then get back to it. Again, I, I want to keep working at that as a technique to actually. You know, just learn the skill. Yeah, I get you. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that that's kind of where I did try to do the self-portrait the other night there when we were at the drinking draw. That was draw, all right, man. Look good. Which, uh, you know, it, it's a learning process. Let, let's leave that Those drinking draws um, are good, man. I'm enjoying them. I think everyone... They're great. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, 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 it's interesting depending on the volume of people are there. I think there is a, there's a critical mass. Yeah, it's about 20-something, isn't there? It's not a yeah. bad number. When yeah. we got to the Thought Bubble one and we had to split into rooms, it wasn't. There was almost too many people, and I think yeah. certain people felt less. Or you just can't have that. But as I would say, if we were in a pub, we wouldn't all sit together and talk together simultaneously. Yeah, that's true. And that that's the problem with a Zoom call is that you're all sitting together talking together simultaneously. If you were in a pub, you would say, right, there's 40 people here. I'll spend. Five minutes for these five yeah, people. Be a social butterfly around them all. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I might spend half an hour with a, a group and only two minutes with somebody else. But you would, you know, you have the, that opportunity to mingle and mix and dip in and out of conversations, yeah. which doesn't quite work on Zoom. No, I get um, So that's why I think there's a, there's a balance about saying the. Uh, hey, I'm not saying limit the number of people by any stretch of imagination. No, it's just a pleasant um, number that everyone gets a little talk. Some people don't want to talk, yeah. do they? But some people do, and yeah. yeah, I think it's fine. I'd say the funny line. There's always a funny line of that night. Yours previously was um, maybe he's gone to show us what perspective is when uh, Johnny Cannon walked out to get a book on perspective. Um, <laughs> but uh, the one, the, the one that really made me laugh this week was, uh, and I can't say why, but uh, when John Ottaway said, "Well, that was a difficult wank," and that just fucking hell. <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's good. It's good stuff, man. Um, yeah. And what else are you reading? Got anything on the read pile that you're looking at at the moment? or? So, things I've finished recently that are in this room, at least. Um, I read Hell in, uh, Hell in Stalingrad. Oh, okay. Which, um, yeah, the Kickstarter for that. Yeah, it's come through, isn't it? Kickstarter that. Um, yeah, it looks very pretty. It's, it's, it's yeah, I think that's kind week. of what Dan said. It looks pretty easy. I wasn't 100% sure what was going on in every panel, but it looks good. Yeah. Yeah. And then I recently finished um, Harker, book one. Oh, yeah. Which is a, 
a, a reprint of um, or a recollection and a little bit of touch up of some books that you and I will have read. I'm sure I've read one or two of the issues way back. Yeah, I bought them. We had a table Bristol next to them at Bristol in the early 2000s. Yeah. That's where I got yeah, them. Uh, yeah. I remember from it. That's part of it. And it came on Kickstarter. And then I also read the, um, or some of the uh, the comic scene annual. Okay. The Hulk, yeah, yeah. Uh, annual that they brought out. Good stuff, man. I've, um, I've just mm. read the whole of Immortal Hulk over Christmas. Uh, no. Which I kind of dug. It's all right. It's about forty issues, forty something issues. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Apart from the fact every fucking diner is called the Sinnet Diner or the Busima Bar, and I'm like, enough, <laughs> enough of that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I read a load of old West Coast Avengers because I'm sad. Um, yeah, I've got the Marvel app. It, you haven't. Well, you're not a Marvel guy, but nah. I got to tell you, I get my money's worth out of that. It's like eight ninety nine a month, and I easily read fifty comics a month off it. Um, yeah, it's very good. I've still got so much to read that's physical sitting yeah, there. No. To add more digital to The thing it, is, to get off my ass and walk up three sides, flights of steps to go and get the trades that I meant to read over Christmas. I just sat there vegging out, reading stuff on the <laughs> iPad. I know. I've got, I've, I had a bag full of trades that sort of sit in the car. I take them in the office and oh, I'll read one of these this lunchtime. And I'm so busy I never do. But yeah, I know what you mean. Well, the weird thing I found was I had a week off and I actually read less in that week off than I would have done We've, while at work. We force our pleasure on ourselves, don't we? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we, we need that. It's... We need to smell the roses amongst the work sometimes, don't we, I think? Yeah. 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 Good stuff, man. So where... Good stuff. Sorry, mate. Uh, no, I'm saying that's all good stuff. Good stuff, yeah. yeah. So where can people find you online and where can they follow you, etc.? So if you want to find me, just go hunting for Pend Gwyn on any form of social media, um, and, and you'll find me one way or other through that, um, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, I'm also on Twitter as at Shadow1972. Cool. Good stuff, man. And you can, uh, you've can you got all manner of Penguin and other products to buy at your store, haven't you, that are well worth it? I always like yeah. them. Yeah. They make a good toilet read. That's uh, And I know you're not inside by that because it's... Uh, it's, it's oh, a good selling you. point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good stuff. You can find me over at neverironanything.com, the home of this podcast, um, the big cartel for uh, Tribute Press and my other books, and also the, uh, which is, I've started a new review site. So if you are a comic creator and you fancy sending me some comics to review, I might get around to them on there. But um, it will be a proper review. It's not just, not just promotion. So prepare yourselves, um, which has caused something of a discussion this week. But yeah, thanks, thanks, Al. We shall have a conversation in a minute about the next one. What, what, what one was this? Was this like the seventh, your seventh appearance, wasn't it? This was number seven. seven. Yeah. yeah, good. Okay. It's going well, man. It's going well. Good stuff, and uh, catch you in a bit, man. Okay.